poor little inner critic. Wisdom slung down from the heavens by the rock gods yes. of old. This is the Creative Double Shot, a conversation about building the creative life you want. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Ginger. If you want more creativity in your life, let's talk. episode of the Creative Double Shot. Yeah. I wanted to share a little story with you today. I was in my studio earlier this week. Go on. Enjoying (laughs) (laughs) enjoying my morning time. And I was doing little sketches in my book and feeling relaxed. And I started having an idea that I thought might be good. And I, I came up with a few little thumbnails that and I started feeling really excited, and, and really, I got that little giddy feeling that we've talked about before, like, yeah. okay, this could be something good. Like, I feel good about this. And immediately, I thought, I need coffee. I need more coffee. <laughs> I think I need to go to the bathroom. And I literally ran from my table upstairs. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> how's that for a story? That's a, that sounds... Probably very relatable to a lot of people, I would imagine. I thought maybe. What do you think? Uh, what do you think that is there? What's going on? Yeah. So what I've decided was that was a little nudge from my inner critic. A nudge or, or a big like push, <laughs> a shove. <laughs> get upstairs, man! You get away from this idea as soon as you can. Yeah, and the inner critic, and and it's like that's that's one way that it, the inner critic shows up. Um, when you're not just in creative practice, but probably any time, like you, I, it happens with me at work where I'm trying to buckle down. I'm like, all right, I really need to get this done. And then be like, mm, I need to go do something. And it's, <laughs> right. it's usually, it feels like it's because once I have my head wrapped around the idea, it's like, okay. And I think in some ways it's like, oh yeah, you've done your work. Right. You've gotten the idea. So now you can go oh, take a break. Oh yeah. That's so true. You should run as far away from it before you ruin it. Before you exactly. ruin this idea. And that's what I felt like to me, it's preserving or, or, yeah, I don't know. I, was... I think of uh, Chris Farley in Tommy Boy, and he talks about the sale <laughs> there at the restaurant after I think he smashes David Spade in the face with the two-by-four. Um, but he's, wait, the other way around, David Spade smashed him. Anyway, that's not important. Right. But he's talking about a <laughs> right sale. Here. I have this beautiful sale, and, I, and then I'm just afraid I'm going to wreck it. And he just destroys that, uh, the biscuit, not the biscuit, the roll, the right. dinner roll. Um, but that's what it feels like, right? Yes. It's crazy. And yeah. what are some other ways that the inner critic shows up? I mean, that's one way, right? But there are some other ways. And Yeah, that, for me, yeah. it's very often tired, feeling tired, yeah. you know, feeling like I have the energy for something and going down to the studio and then, or, or actually, never mind. It's usually <laughs> thinking about going to the studio and going, yeah, but I feel pretty tired. It's all the way downstairs. Yeah. Or I don't have any ideas. Right now, like I don't know immediately right. what I'm going to jump into. And whereas up here, I know there are dishes to be done and there are, you know. The dishes <laughs> is a common theme. Dishes and Puritans. We do a lot of dishes in this house. <laughs> Let's put that. <laughs> I guess we eat. Yeah, or just feeling to, like Because we're eating to avoid. So then we have to do dishes <laughs> to avoid. Our dishes of shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and there, so there's that. There's like... Um, just feeling totally uninspired, like, oh, man, 
I don't know. Like, and, and then there are the th- we've talked in previous episodes about, uh, you know, it's all been done before. It's not original, whatever, any of that kind of stuff. You can, the inner critic shows up that way. And so is this little Johnny Appleseed of right. doubt. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you could think about that idea or even even almost be getting up out of the chair to go down to the studio. Um, but here, let me plant this for you and you can watch it grow. Yes. <laughs> and, just, and it would freeze you in your chair for the rest of the day. And so what about in the studio? Like there, so when you get down to work, like mm. have you ever, have you ever encountered it in that respect? Absolutely. Yeah. So the same thing happens when I finally get myself started and I'm working on an idea that I was excited about and then I do something about it and then I go, oh, yeah. well, that's actually, it's not like I thought it was going to look. The challenge of creativity the world over. It's like, ah, oh, I have this amazing idea. Oh, it looks just like a brown clay hut instead of a beautiful mansion. What the hell happened? Yeah. Getting it from your head out. And then, yeah, your inner critic is like, hey, buddy, I noticed that what you made kind of sucks. <laughs> yes. You should probably stop. Yes. It's like, uh, and then uh, you already hit on avoidance and distraction and stuff, but it's interesting. <laughs> I'm avoiding and distracting no. right now. Oh, well, no. It's interesting. The myriad ways that it can manifest, and we could probably go on with personal anecdotes of various ways that it, that it does so. Yeah. But the reality is, is how you recognize it is very important to, to dealing with it. But there's also another part of it, too, is why is it happening? I think it was Andy J. Pizza. He was talking about, um, about the trauma, the idea that you're sort of – in your survival response mode, you have this biological response to things that are threatening. And the idea, when you think about creating, we talked about some of these things before, but the idea that, oh, people are going to judge me, it's foolish and silly, it's not worth my time, there are other things that are more important. Whatever you do, you know, you're not honoring your practice. Um, and that that survival instinct kicks in where it's like, yeah, yeah, you should probably avoid that because it's scary and dangerous, even though it's not like you're out in the middle of a thunderstorm on the prairie and you're going to get struck by lightning or anything right. like that or trampled by a herd of wildebeest. But that same thing is, is at play, which is, is interesting that we have taken our sort of biological survival instincts and translated them into our modern world, which is very different yes. and really a lot freaking safer than our survival instincts would have you believe. Yeah. And then there's like, so yeah, why does this happen? And there's the trauma response. There's the sense of unworthiness, like uh, other people need my time more than I do, or or this is not a great way to spend my time, which of course we've talked about here and there as well. And, you know, really overall fear. It's it's some some form of fear. Feels like it always comes back to fear. Yeah. It does. And and so there's, there are those whys, but then there's the real deep why. There's usually a lot of <laughs> emotional stuff that we've woven into our emotional ball of, ball twine. of twine. That's right. Look for the new book, Emotional Ball of Twine, <laughs> coming out in 2029. Um, 2029. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of emotions to unravel here. Uh, yeah. And so you have like all this stuff woven in. And, and really, I think that like you can look at the surface stuff, but then if you start looking deeper, you kind of get at these base level reasons that have nothing to do with creativity whatsoever. It might be stuff that's happened in a long, long time ago that's manifested in there and you kind of wrap it into everything that you do. Um, and I'm not really going anywhere with that. I just think it's important to understand that there are levels at which the inner critic operates and 
that we allow the inner critic to operate, I think, is maybe what I'm thinking of. Right. More. We're going to have a full series on the inner critic, maybe right after this uh, Barriers to Creation series that we're doing, because there is, there's so much there. And, oh, it's um, rich. So we were talking earlier this morning, and you made the point that it always comes back to introspection, to understanding yourself, not just in the context of your creativity, but, it, you know, I think we said it was the last episode. If you work on your creativity, you find yourself working on yourself. If you're working on yourself, you'll be working on things that will help you with your creativity. And I just think that's good to remember as you go through this stuff that uh, all, all this stuff is... All roads lead to you. It's true, because if they don't, then, then <laughs> who are you? <laughs> Like, Who, for, what, then? <laughs> it's not late. <laughs> it's late, not for me. Who for, then? Who for, then what? Um, but, I, yeah, anyway, I was just thinking of I hope our how, listeners I, watch a lot of movies. I'm just going to say that. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> I, but I think it's important to, to keep that in mind as, as you go through this, that there's, you know, it's, and that it's, it's a lifelong practice journey that you never get, like, up. Today, I got it all figured out and it's yeah. done. It's, it's just an ongoing process. And, and if you're willing to be curious about yourself, you will find some amazing things. And uh, I think that dovetails nicely into this next concept of the beginner's mind. Ooh. And uh, th this, is, this is from Austin Kleon's blog, which I'm not even sure what it's called. I think it's just his blog on austinkleon.com. He's a writer, illustrator, among other things, um, and just has a fantastic blog. Highly recommend checking it out. But he has this one post he talks about in the beginner's mind, there are many, po well, this, all right, hang on, let me back up. He's actually quoting Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind, um, which Ginger has read or at yes, least delved into absolutely. pretty heavily. And uh, the idea is that in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the experts, there are few. And what that alludes to and what Austin Kleon brings it around from the creative side is that, you know, if you're always curious, like a, like a child or a cat, that's why they right. call you whiskers. <laughs> no, but if you're always curious like a child, then you see the world with a, a, a lot more wonder and you're open to a lot of more different possibilities and ideas where once you feel like you should have mastery over something, especially your creative practice, then you go, you get in ruts essentially because you're like, oh, well, this is how I, you know, this is my approach. This is how I see things. This is my technique. This is this. And, and this is how it's done. And this is what people expect from me because now I'm the expert in it. That's a big yeah. one. And I, I think also when, like, I think of my writer's journey and the, the idea that when I started out, I did just start writing. I was like, ah, oh, and then it's like, oh, I want to know more how to do this. And so I, as I'm trying to gain mastery too, there are all these ways you can go about it. So I'm looking for the right way. What's the formula? And not necessarily like story formula, but what's the formula for being quicker and better and all this stuff? And there's that idea that whatever you're working on is the thing you're learning how to work on. You're going to be always constantly striving to be better and uh, figure stuff out, which is, which is a lot of the fun, really, when it comes right down to it, right? Being curious and having that fun is usually the reason that you got into this in the first place. Yes. So, so the beginner's mind is just a really important concept if you can remember to just be curious about it. Every time I buy a new art supply that uh -huh. I haven't used yes. before, that always kind of jump starts me a little bit because I'm willing to be a beginner and just play around 
And yeah. in that time of trying, all I am is curious and not and don't have expectations of myself. I think that's a great point, you know, thinking about how there are a lot of ways to kind of I hate to say combat because we're going to also oh, right. I think when we get deeper into the inner critic, we're going to talk about like really it's a, it's a useful it's a useful partner to have along if you have some parameters for it and uh and also the idea that there's this like oh the inner critic is bad and the inner mentor is good when in fact it's like we're all those things and so it's not it's not the duality it's funny i was looking at the looking through the eric meisel book again on uh, you know being your own self coach for creativity and he and he ends this one chapter where he's like yeah you need to limit wrong thinking and then you know promote right thinking and wrong thinking being all the inner critic stuff and then the next chapter is about duality and how duality is <laughs> accepting li- both sides of yourself <laughs> right and or that the end there's that but also that there isn't real like duality is false right it's not there's not like it's either this or that it's right. it's, it's just all in there and i think with the inner critic that's part of it too in that same book there's some good work in there where he talks about being able to identify your the things you say to yourself so that if you can develop a habit of catching yourself saying things like, oh, that's dumb, I shouldn't do that, or who the hell's going to want to read this or look at this or buy this or whatever, you can go, oh, wait, wait. All right, first, let's stop that line of thinking. Just stop it. Like, okay, had that thought. And then go, okay, well, that's a fun, silly excuse to not do your creative work. And then once you have that mechanism in place, you can change your statement like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little scared to get into this, but I'm excited about the possibilities. Because those. this all goes back to what you're saying about the new, the new media. If you're working on something with new media that you've never worked on before, it's all about possibilities. And you get right. that thrill that's similar to the begeisterung, yeah. the bespiritedness. And so, but being able to stop those narratives is a, is a nice first step in kind of keeping your inner critic in check, I guess. Is. Ooh, which seems like a good time to tell the second part of my story. Tell me about your rest of your Paul Harvey story. <laughs> so I came back downstairs after I did grab a cup of coffee and I sat down and I acknowledged my inner critic for having sent me upstairs running from this idea. And I also acknowledged that I want to explore the idea more, and I'm okay whatever way it turns out, that I want to hold on to the feeling good about it, and I just want to see where it goes. It doesn't have to be my next big series that I make a million dollars on. It doesn't have to do anything except give me personal gratification for working on it. So I acknowledged it, and I continued Right. Yeah, that's huge. Because ultimately, it's just words. The the stuff the inner critic says or that you say to yourself, they're just words. Yeah, it's really up to you to go, okay, well, I heard that. And I, you know, it's like when, if someone drives by your house and curses at you, you're like, okay. well, that was weird, but okay, I'm going to get back to mowing my lawn now, you know, as opposed to like, I'm going to run after them on, in my Mowing shoes and try and track them down. So. Mowing shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I have a very nice set of mowing <laughs> shoes. Um, yeah, so that's awesome. And, and so ultimately, you know that you're going to have moments like that. Like, oh, I need coffee. Oh, I got to go to the bathroom or whatever. 
and just going, that's okay. That's also part of the process too, as opposed to being like, oh, I don't want this to be part of the deal anymore. I just want to be able to sit down and get into the flow state and whatever. Um, and I think that's a big part of managing the inner critic is being kind to yourself too, right? I mean, you've, you've brought that up a lot. And I think that that's, that's a good one. Anything? Well, I also think that a, a huge part of the, the myth around the, from people who do not have a regular creative practice, the myth is that the people who do have creative practices have the ideas, that they're the ones who right. they yeah. just have ideas coming to them and they just grab them and, you know, it flows through them and the re it's not accessible to the rest of us. But anybody who has a regular creative practice knows that we have all of these ups and downs and, you know, that's all yeah. part of it. Bringing it back to, like, how can you kind of manage your inner critic, I think – there are a lot of things you can do in terms of just sort of like we talked about in our bonus episode, just take one step, take one action, get started. And the same thing, it's like, yeah, it's like when I come into my office, once I close the door and I sit down, it's almost like leaving the inner critic out in the rest of the basement. Like, hey, you just hang out out here. I'm going to be in here doing some stuff and then <laughs> we'll talk later and you can tell me how bad it is or, or whatever, you know. <laughs> I, I, you know, think of it like a, a regular relationship, whereas if you're with somebody, like if you have a friend who's, say, negative or always like joking on at your expense and you're just, it's tiring. Eventually, you're just like, well, I'm going to go home now and I'm going to leave you to go to your home. And so that's like an analog for the inner critic where it's like, yeah, you can just put them aside for a while. And yeah, there you are. So Daniel, Krista wrote an awesome book called The Big Book of Art Now with Women, and it's all about women artists. And one of them, Sianna Hong, who I now follow on Instagram, said a beautiful thing about her, I'm not going to remember the quote exactly, but, yeah. you know, her inner critic can be in the, she recognizes that it's part of her, it can be in the car, it can be in the back seat holding the map, but it never, ever gets to drive. Right. Yeah. I think that's great because, again, like with the map, it can be useful. Like, hey, inner critic, you know, <laughs> how do we get to 34th and Vine? Um, no, I, I think that's awesome. And I think that's a nice acknowledgement of the fact that the inner critic is always there and, and it does have uses, but uh, ultimately you're the, you're the person who has the controls. And I think that's a lot of it, too, is by sitting down, taking action, by committing to self-love and do, you know, doing this for you rather than for all the externals, I think that goes a long way toward silencing the inner critic because that's coming from a place of authenticity, you know, to use an overhyped buzzword of the last 10 years. Right. <laughs> but, but it's true. And, I, you know, I was thinking too, like going back to that duality thing, um, another book, Pima Children's mm, um, Comfortable, Comfortable with, with Uncertainty. uncertainty. Yes. And just the idea that the thoughts, it is very Zen, right? The thoughts aren't good or bad. The things that are coming to your head aren't good and bad. They just are. And I think if you can not assign that, that value judgment to them, it's easier to just be like, well, that just is. I mean, you know, I can, I can have both of those thoughts in my head, good or bad. You know, what I would normally ascribe is good or bad, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't go, going back to it, they don't have meaning unless you give them meaning. And so the, the other piece is if you're, still like stuck and feeling kind of cruddy about what you're getting ready to do or what you just did, you know, there's also the, the reaching for the better feeling thought, right? You know, when you've had 
the well for me this last week I had this deadline I set for myself and I had this narrative I'm like I don't meet deadlines and you know I'm probably not going to make it and then I was like well that's kind of BS you know I'm going to sit my butt down in the chair tonight and I'm going to go until I get this done and two things happened one is I got it done and I got it done in less time than I thought I would mm. because I eventually just put the distractions away and just focused for like two and a half hours which is really rare for me and uh and it was fantastic and then i remember that feeling so when i came down last night i was like oh man that was awesome the other night and i you know i probably if i sit down and just get to work i'll I'll get to feel that again and uh and sure sure enough i did it was different but it was still still felt really good yeah butt in the chair butt in the chair if you show up the boys in the basement will be there with you um (laughs) And so I, I think I think maybe a really good takeaway too is instead of being resistant to these moments of angst and these moments of like beating yourself up, is to go well. The mistake opportunities now that right. they, they are they're opportunities to learn more about yourself and more about your creative practice because over time you find there are things that work for you and things that don't, but then you also find that those things change over time too. You know, um, Eric Meisel was talking about. How people are like, well, I can't do it at this time of day, or I can't do it. He, you know, we've talked about being precious about our our fetishes and our routines, and uh, I think, yeah, it's just like, oh, you can prove yourself wrong and change your narratives daily if you really want to do that kind of work, which is really powerful. Yes. So that is our primer or primer, depending on who you are, on the inner critic. And kind of, I think the first part, just like a lot of things, is acknowledging that it exists and not freaking out or wishing it was otherwise, but understanding it and being able to then take steps to, I don't want to say limited, I, I think right, we just I call it like moderated or, or, or keep it in its place because, again, it's yeah. useful. Like you had mentioned, I think, earlier today that the inner critic keeps us from doing things that are harmful to us, you know, in everyday life, whether uh, if you're driving or, yeah. or whatever. It's like, okay, yeah, well, you, you sure you want to do that? You want to put that boiling hot pot on the edge of the counter like that? Is that good? <laughs> you know, um, so it's not really, and maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it's not thinking of it as the inner critic. Maybe just thinking of it as a a governing thought Mm. because then that takes some of the negativity away. Yeah. I know. My dream is to come up with a name for it. Bob. That's better. Yeah. Well, Bob. (laughs) (laughs) Just Robert. Uh, He used to be an inner critic, the artist formerly known as the inner critic. Well, hopefully that is useful for you, at least if you've ever wondered about the inner critic or wonder what that feeling was or why it was there. This at least gives you some ideas to identify it and to uh, to work with it, so that and you, wrap it in a warm hug yeah. once in a while, and you know, stay curious about it. I, oh, I think I, no, absolutely. I think that's great. I think you know, <laughs> in the realm of positive discipline, ah. maybe when the inner critic goes into overdrive, it has mistaken goals. <gasps> yes, maybe it thinks it wants this thing, but it really wants love and attention. It needs to feel better to do better. Yeah. Poor little inner critic. <laughs> so join us next time when we take our inner critic out for hot chocolate. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, thanks for joining. We'll see you next time on The Creative Double Shot. See ya.